Welcome to the 390th episode of the Reading and Writing Podcast. Stay tuned for my interview with Zelda Knight and Ekpeki Donald, co-editors of a short story anthology, Dominion, an anthology of speculative fiction from Africa and the African diaspora. Stay tuned for the interview. The Reading and Writing Podcast is brought to you by Libro FM. Libro.fm lets you purchase audiobooks directly from your favorite local bookstore. You can pick from more than 185,000 audiobooks, including bestsellers and recommendations from booksellers. You'll get the same audiobooks at the same price as the largest audiobook company out there, but you'll be part of a different story one that supports your local community and your local bookstore. If you're new to audiobooks, they're the perfect way to get more books into your busy life. You can listen during your commute, while doing chores, walking the dog, or just relaxing at home. All you need is a smartphone and the free Libro.fm app. If you already love audiobooks and don't know what to listen to next, check out recommendations and curated lists from people who know audiobooks best, your local bookseller. Here's your special offer from the Reading and Writing Podcast. Get two audiobooks for the price of one today with your first month of membership with the code RWPODCAST at checkout. This offer is only valid for new members in Canada and the U.S., Check out Libro.fm today. Well, welcome back to the Reading and Writing Podcast. My guests today are Zelda Knight and Ekpeki Donald, co-editors of a new short story anthology, Dominion, an anthology of speculative fiction from Africa and the African diaspora. Zelda and Ekpeki, welcome to the podcast. Hello, everyone. Hi. If someone listening hasn't heard about your new short story anthology that you co-edited, Dominion, an anthology of speculative fiction from Africa and the African diaspora, how would you describe the anthology? Well, someone asked me, I would say that it's a real um, landmark anthology. It's the first of its kind that bridges the gap between African spec fic writers and um, spec Specific writers living in the African diaspora. And on top of that, there's just some really wonderful stories in there that really are speculative in nature. You can't really classify them as fantasy or just horror or just science fiction. They really are cross-genre and cross-culture. So that's how I would describe it. Okay, I was saying that the Dominion Anthology is a piece of work that aims to um, solve some of the structural problems in publishing um, such as um, allowing black writers to have more of a voice or to have a space where their stories are better appreciated. What was the original idea or impetus that led you both to edit and, and conceive of Dominion? The, for me is I came across Donald's work and during that time, this is going to be a little backstory to lead up, I had recently gone through a house fire and I was just, it was just a lot going on and I was wondering like, how can I reignite my passion for publishing? And I came across Donald's work and in 2019 as well there was a lot of flurry in the academic world about the year of return marking 400 years of slavery um, here in the United States. 
States. And so I was thinking, how can I contribute to this academic flurry going, but also make it personal and relate it back to speculative fiction? So I read one of his stories, and he's an African writer living on the continent. And I was like, hey, we really need to come together and do something here. Okay, okay. On my part, I like I said, I came at it from the angle of publishing. I've, there's always been a problem of not being a diet of speculative fiction publications on the continent. And I've always the idea of um, doing an anthology to focus or shine a light on some of the topics that African writers would like to speak about, but which literary magazines on the continent entertain less and um, speculative fiction magazines outside the continent, like in the U.S., are generally much more difficult for writers on the continent to grapple with, sometimes maybe even impossible. So, yeah, when Zelda Knight approached me with the idea to do an anthology, I jumped at it because it was something that I had always entertained before. I know the anthology was funded by a Kickstarter campaign. How did the Kickstarter process work? Zelda Knight is the expert on this. Okay. For the Kickstarter, I had run smaller Kickstarters before for my publishing house, but this was the first time I asked for some, well, over $1,000. So I did a lot of research, basically, what what anthologies were able to fund on Kickstarter before and what are some of the things they did. And so Kickstarter together and being US-based. And then after that, Donald and I really worked together to do constant updates. We wanted to keep people involved, get them excited about it. And he really was like the marketing backbone for the Kickstarter because previous to this, submitted to, you know, Locus and other places get reviews. But he was really the one that really got a lot of interest from the science fiction writers of America and all types of things that really drew people to the Kickstarter and getting behind the idea. So we were able to fund and actually overfund our Kickstarter, which I was super happy about because for me, it was a substantial amount of money was asking for and we, we got more than that. So super happy about that. That's great. Was it an open anthology or did you solicit the, the stories from specific writers? It was an open call. Great. As I know, as we just discussed, it was a Kickstarter and it was funded prior to obviously the pandemic. And then later, unfortunately, the the gruesome public murder of George Floyd. And obviously there's been in, in the wake of his death, there's been a national debate again in the U.S. about racial equity and police brutality against people of color. I'm curious, with that ever-present issue in the U.S., how African-Americans are treated in systemic structural racism, how do you think that speculative fiction can address and speak to those issues? Ooh, that's a loaded question. I have so much to say. (laughs) (laughs) How can... Speculative fiction help with equity for Black Americans. I think starting out, I'm real active on Twitter, and that's where I get a lot of my information, follow a lot of authors. I think the main thing that's happening is that, I'm sorry, what Donald talked about, the structural issues for African writers getting their voices out there, well, I think that it's lack of a problem in America, it is still an extremely hard issue. It shouldn't be easy to list off barely five, you know, prominent 
speculative fiction writers of African descent. It shouldn't be an issue every award season because something goes down in some harassment campaign. I know that the author between Blade So Black, she started the hashtag publishing paid me, which was a speculative fiction specific showed the pay discrepancies going on between authors that sell their first book. So for me, my main thing is that if publishing houses, instead of just putting up a Black Lives Matter, you know, banner, which is, in my opinion, I read as Black Dollars Matter because they just want Black people to not stop buying books, is I want them to really reckon with the structural issues in their publishing houses. Who are their editors? Who are their agents? Who are the executives making the marketing decisions that really get authors um, out there in front of larger audiences? Are they tagging the metadata as just Black work, or are they trying to tag them in appropriate science fiction and fantasy tags so it's just it's a lot of structural issues i think speculative fiction specifically can reckon with and just being more open i think i've seen the change i'm seeing it happen but it's just hard when yet again there's another public execution it seems like the interest rises and fades in a couple of months and i really hope that doesn't happen again sure i'll just um, want to add that i'm not a black American, but from my observations, and I've interacted with a number of black American speculative fiction writers who also happen to be Nigerian. While the situation seems bleak, I want to say that on the side of the black writers, they seem to be doing the work or yeah, taking a swipe at the problem by using their voices to criticize and shine a light or address all these issues. For example, I read a really strong piece of nonfiction by Tochi Oyebuchi on tour. Yeah, he's yeah, he also has a novella, Riot Baby, yeah, which is about blackness and yeah police brutality. Then there's um, PJ Lee Clark who also has I think a novella coming out later this year. Yeah, it has to do with the KKK. I can't remember the name right now. But yeah, so yeah, I would say that even if things are not moving as fast as we hope, at least black writers seem to be doing their part of the work. Sure. I'm I'm curious if someone buys your anthology and they're interested in learning more about and, and reading more um, speculative fiction written by authors of the African diaspora. Are there specific resources, websites, book lists, blogs that you would recommend that they check out to guide their reading and exploration of more of these authors? Okay, okay. Yes, there's there, there are a few structures um, on the continent that cater to specifically African Black speculative fiction. There is the African Speculative Fiction Society. There is, yeah, there's the Nomo Awards, which is, it's, uh, yeah, it's a Pan-African Award yeah, it's a- for, yeah. The, the African Speculative Fiction Society also has a database of works published by African Speculative Fiction writers during the year. There is the State of Black Science Fiction and yeah, there are a number of um, communities on um, social media and yeah, websites that cater to or put out black speculative fiction content and 
focus on promoting them. Yeah. I know you don't want to play favorites, but can you both talk about two or three of the stories in the anthology just to give listeners a flavor of what they can expect with the anthology? Two or three stories. Man, it's so much in this anthology that I think everyone will find something that they really like. But there's actually, yes, there's two stories that I thought to me really stood out past my co-editor's wonderful story. And those two stories would be, one is a reprint and one is an original piece of writing. And it's Sleep Papa Sleep by Sue Davies, and then Convergence and Core's Architecture by Dare Falua. And I just think these two stories are really good because they're they mix a lot of folklore and ancestral religion with these kind of just really grand premises. And it converges of course architecture. You get a lot of Nigerian religion mixed with this kind of super fantastic plot line that's told in a novelette style story. And then with Sleep Papa Sleep, it's this mixture of horror and also ghost and it, it, it's a lot going on in this story uh that it's just, it's a really gross out at some points, but it really hits home this kind of weight of duty, this weight of family that um, lives on to pass the afterlife. So those are two real standout stories from the African side that I thought were really cool. Okay, I'll start with um, Clown for Death of Kings by his Kenyan writer. And the story... Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Incidentally happens to be, I think, his first um, published piece, professionally published piece, yeah, that he was paid for. It's a very exciting story. It's um, set in futuristic, post-apocalyptic in a world that um, has been abandoned by humans and is left by um, sentient robots and a bunch of creatures. It, it has this epic space opera feel, Star Wars. Yeah, you have a lot of um, hybrid creatures, part animal, part robots. They have all these awesome equipment, tech, guns. Yeah, it's yeah, it's very classic. 
So yeah, it's my favorite story in the anthology. It, it also features the politics of warring clans in Kenya. It's it's complex, it's exciting, and it's very well written. So yeah, then there is also Michael Boatman's story, Treasure of Men. It's very disturbing horror story about it's in a community, a very racist community where a bunch of black people have been treated badly and one of them invokes the goddess of vengeance who comes up to wreak bloody vengeance on yeah the oppressors of our people so yeah i i really enjoyed that story because it had a very strong emotional core yeah it 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 was very satisfying and it explored all these ideas that a lot of people shy from. And yeah, it, it, it was one of the stories I really enjoyed on the anthology. Yeah, if, yeah. What are your earliest memories, both of you, of reading science fiction and fantasy? Zelda, I think you should go for it. My earliest memories reading science fiction and fa- fantasy had to be Ray Bradbury, uh, Something Wicked This Comes. That is just creepy the hell out of me <laughs> like just really badly and just on a, a fun note bunny color is this children's book about a vampire bunny um that uh uh sits on uh this little this little kid finds out that the the bunny isn't what it pretends to be in front of the parents so those were two of my younger memories of actually reading science fiction and fantasy because i grew up on a lot of science fiction and fantasy movies the matrix star wars series of prequels specifically for me and just yeah it was a lot of watching science fiction and fantasy but those are the two books that really got me as a child interested in reading more science fiction and fantasy because my story of early science fiction and fantasy consumption is not exactly pretty well back in nigeria there were not a lot of science fiction fantasy books especially aside local um, speculative fiction by local writers living in the continent which were not the typical science fiction fantasy books that yeah i was used to they were more slipstream magic realism now science fiction fantasy we usually got where um from secondhand bookstores that you could only get in select parts of the country so yeah you usually had to wait for months to find someone who was traveling and it, it was usually one set or types of books that the books that get exported as secondhand are usually the books that have circulated so thoroughly and then they they become secondhand books that don't circulate thoroughly usually don't end up as secondhand books so it, it was usually the most popular books tolkien c.s lewis and my 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 science fiction fantasy reading wasn't really really diversified incomplete and yeah and scattered we didn't get we didn't get the books gotcha. in order sometimes um, you get- has the internet and ebooks changed some of that access to speculative fiction on the continent yes massively now you can afford to get books on the internet you can select you can be choosy you can be picky about your reading you can now reach out to um, works with less circulation like black writers for example 
no, none of those works trickle down arrive due those are works that we started to get access to much later on yeah the the, the works that usually trickle down were the yeah the basic ones harry potter so yeah Right. But yeah, but things are better. And I'm curious for people who aren't familiar with the continent, and that would include me, are there ebook devices similar to Kindles or those e ink devices? Do you have those and are you using them? Uh, well, or is it on your phone? What we do is we get normal readers and you get EPUBs and then you import them to your readers. Some of those services do work here. Kobo, yeah, Kobo works here. But Amazon doesn't. Yeah, a number of interesting. Yeah, a, a number of services, a number of services that writers and readers use don't work here. Kickstarter, I've talked about it with Zelda Nine before. Kickstarter doesn't work here. PayPal doesn't work here either. <laughs> so yeah, it, it, it's a lot. It's a lot of challenges to writers on the continent trying to interact with the international community. Like a large number, like a large number of the tools that, yeah, you would need to don't work here. What was both of your path beyond reading to writing your own speculative fiction stories? You can go first. I was primarily a romance writer, and that's what got me into writing speculative fiction. My The main woman that put me into that was L.A. Banks, who unfortunately passed away, but she wrote paranormal romance, and she wrote paranormal romance featuring Black characters, specifically in New Orleans. And that really opened my eyes. I was like, oh my goodness, I can combine both of my passions. I don't have to just write contemporary romance, poetry. I don't have to just write speculative fiction. I can merge those two together. So that's what I primarily write and publish is uh, speculative romance, so uh, paranormal romance, science fiction romance, and sometimes a dash of horror in there too. Okay. Yeah. My yeah, my my experience was a bit rougher too, considering my background with reading, because it's it's your reading background that usually feeds into your writing background. Now my my reading background was lopsided because I was exposed to a bunch of white writers in about a background and a culture that I didn't really see. And so when I started to write speculative fiction, I was writing stories with white male protagonists in American or Western cities with snow and a bunch of things that I didn't really have any idea what they were like, aside what I read about in books. So, so I had to basically revamp my whole idea of reading and writing. I had to start on learning and relearning, but eventually I was able to find an authentic voice. And I guess my general experience with reading still paid off. I was just going to ask you, what was the process like for you for finding that authentic voice? I think people might be interested in that. Okay. It, it wasn't really difficult because I've lived... I'm, I'm, I've lived being an African. I've been born in Nigeria. I've lived around the myths. I've lived around the legend. And speculative fiction is something that is very integral to our society. Most African literary fiction writers end up being tagged as speculative fiction writers because speculative fiction and um, our culture and religion closely tied together. So it didn't really take me much of an effort to switch. All I basically had to do was realize or was accept the fact that 
I wasn't being myself. I wasn't writing what I needed to write. So I, I wasn't writing what I was familiar, what you knew. So once I realized that, once I realized that there was, yeah, there was something off about my writing, it was easy for me to reorient myself, look around me and say, okay, these are the stories that are occurring around me. These are the stories that I need to tell. Yeah, I I feel like we all have the stories that we need to tell embedded in us. We We really don't need to reach very far. What what might be difficult to do is reaching that realization that you've been going the wrong direction all your life. But once you're able to yeah, get to that place, it, it's easy to turn around. That. What writing advice would you, what writing advice would you both offer for listeners who are writing their own stories and novels? I think Donald really hit the nail on the head with write with I think a lot of people take that and they think they can't write any character that's not a copy carbon of them. But I really do think um that what happens a lot of times, especially with speculative fiction, is that you try to write features that you're not in it. Like I think it's really important to embed yourself and your experiences in that. With me with speculative romance, the main thing was having black heroines and it's just writing a part of myself. That's not the totality of me, but writing a part of myself into stories that are fun, that are adventurous. And a lot of times it's so much easier to write because you're not writing from a perspective that you don't understand or don't grasp. I remember talking to someone too before sometimes you just have to wait. Some stories aren't ready to be told yet you need more lived experiences as i've gotten older it's been much easier to go back to these manuscripts and say hey now that i have a little bit more lived experience it might not be a character's experience but it might be experience that lets me tell a more emotional story lets me tell characters that are more emotionally complex than say my 13 year old moody self it's much easier um as you come into yourself so that would be my advice Great. Okay. For me, yeah, it would basically be the same thing. Yeah, largely. Write what you know. Write what you be true to yourself. And yeah, also know what you write. I know it's, it's yeah, the reverse of write what you know. But yeah, sometimes you know more than you think. You might need a little nudge to realize that some things. Try to go out of your way to... Zelda was talking about lived experiences. So sometimes being a writer is about living about experiencing things so that you can have something to write. Yeah, the more you live, invariably better writer you're going to become. Yeah, I know everybody says, oh, the best way to be a writer is to read. But yeah, sometimes it's not the only way. Living also helps. That's great advice. Where can people find you both online if they'd like to learn more about you and your anthology? They can find me online at author Z Knight, K-N-I-G-H-T, about anywhere on social media. And also my author website, ZeldaKnight.com. And if you want to learn more about Dominion and other books being published by Aurelia Leo, you can go to A-U-R-E-L-I-A-L-E-O.com. And that's where you can find more stuff and hopefully more works that you enjoy. Yeah, okay. Yeah, you can find me on my website at um, ekpeki.com, E-K-P-E-K-I.com. Then I'm also on Twitter at um, penprince, P-E-N, then prince, underscore N-S-A. Yeah, that's my handle. 
So, yeah. Well, again, we've been speaking with Zelda Knight and Ekpeki Donald, co-editors of a new short story anthology, Dominion, an anthology of speculative fiction from Africa and the African diaspora. I encourage everyone listening to buy the anthology and expand your reading to include more speculative fiction writers from the African diaspora. Zelda and Ekpeki, thanks for doing this interview. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having us. us.